I want to I want to share just a little bit tonight. I I don't have any screens this evening, so if you have a Bible app to read along, you're going to want to get it out if or or your hard copy, whatever you choose. I don't have a lot of scriptures either, and I did that by design. We're going to read one verse from the Old Testament and five or six verses from one spot in a Paul letter to Thessalonica. So we're going to just have a real brief time in the scriptures, and I want to talk a little bit about give thanks. This is, of course, Thanksgiving week, and Thanksgiving is a civic holiday, but it's probably our most spiritually themed civic holiday. Um, It doesn't have really anything to do with the church, and yet the church is all about Thanksgiving. So I thought it was appropriate to, since we're in between sets here, we have, we finished Ruth, Um, we've put that behind us and we're ready to go into the Advent season in preparation of the arrival of Jesus. I thought a good little gap here in light of Thanksgiving would be a night of thanks. To talk about thanks, not the holiday, thanks, (laughs) Thanksgiving. You're going to do that with your families. I think Thanksgiving is a beautiful thing. I think the fact that our nation takes a day to thank their God, whoever their God is, and I'm, I'm being, that sounds very secular, but it's true. It's not a Christian holiday. It's a holiday to thank who you want to thank. Some people thank their parents. Some people thank the government. Some people thank their gods. Um, but that's a beautiful thing because Thanksgiving is a great attitude to have. Um, so I celebrate this. I celebrate the fact that we do this as a nation. Now we do it in different ways and there's all kinds of traditions and traditions are great because traditions link you to things bigger than yourself. And traditions have been poo-pooed a little bit in modern Grace Church because it's like, you know, we, we, tradition is killing us. And, and I think we've just attached bad tradition to t- sort of toxic religion and then we throw the baby out with the bathwater. Tradition's not a terrible thing. We're gonna partake in one tonight. We're gonna partake in the oldest Christian tradition that we have, maybe um, only baptism might beat it by um, just a few years as far as our Christian tradition. And that's, we're going to take the Eucharist. Um, so tradition's a great thing because the church for 20 centuries has the tradition of taking the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus. Um, so I celebrate the national tradition of Thanksgiving, but let's leave that for Turkey Day and pumpkin pie. And you do that in your way with your family and your friends and enjoy it and, and rejoice in it. But for tonight... Let's give thanks because of who he is. And that was the question that I thought about today. If we're going to talk about Thanksgiving, I can get up here and tell you ought to be thankful. That doesn't take much. I mean, you don't have to really know your Bible to realize you should be thankful for stuff. Um, I wanted to challenge, I wanted to take it from the challenge of why am I thankful? As a child of God, what, not only what, what am I thankful for, we could go down and list things off. And I hope to hear from you before we're done of something that you, maybe you want to articulate in this season about your own spirit or your own journey that you're thankful for. But why are we thankful as the people of God? That's what I went into the scriptures to look for. Because if you want to just go find scriptures about thanks, there's just lists of them. It just, it starts at the beginning of the Bible and it runs to the end of the Bible, which, which ought to tell you that thanks is one of the themes of the Bible, that we're to be thankful for who we are and for who God is in us. So it wasn't hard to find them, but to see a few that really give us a because or a why. That's where we want to go. Psalm chapter 107. And I want to read the first verse of the 107th Psalm. 
Psalms is divided into books for purposes of Hebrew study. This is the first Psalm of book five, which is the final book. There are five books of the Psalms. We just have them all jammed into one in the Christian Bible. This is Thanksgiving for deliverance from your many troubles. Psalm 107 would be a good one for you this week if you need a devotional chapter on Thanksgiving. Maybe Thanksgiving morning, the civic holiday, you want a little bit of the secular. We'll just read one verse. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. One verse. It tells what to do and it tells why. Give thanks to the Lord for, uh, let's use the word because, because He is good, because His steadfast love endures forever. So the answer to the question is why, if the question is why should I be thankful to the Lord, the, the 107, its answer is you should be thankful to the Lord because His love endures forever and because He's good, okay? Thankful that He loves you forever and thankful that He's always good. Keep that in mind. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Let's add to it a little New Testament. And Paul would write um, a letter that has a lot of eschatological implications. But then he heads towards his close with sort of this final exhortation, greeting, benediction. He says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You could easily stop there and you already have your because. Thank God because it's God's will in Christ. But, but I want to read on because I think he does something else. 19. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise the words of the prophets. And here comes our thanksgiving test. But test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Okay, let's put them together. The psalmist said, we thank God because He loves us forever and because He's good. Not because He does good, because He is good. Put Paul on top of that. Be thankful all the time for everything because that's God's will for you in Christ. And in doing so, test everything said over you. Test the prophets. Hold on to the good and abstain from the evil. So your thanksgiving in a New Testament from a New Testament perspective, is to identify the good and hold on to it. If you, if you layer those two scriptures together, we're thankful to a God who loves us forever, who is always good. Our thanksgiving rotates around the full-time goodness of God. Not the full-time activity of God, but the full-time goodness of God. And I identify God by that which is good. And I cling to Him by that which is good. That's His will for me in Christ Jesus. And I abstain from that which is evil. That which is evil, I don't put into my thanksgiving. So if it's evil, it isn't God. If it's good, it's God. If it's evil, it isn't God. If it's good, I'm going to thank God. If it's evil, I don't thank God for evil. God didn't do it. So I thank God that he is good. And if evil happens to me, I'm thankful to my good father, even though evil happens to me. So my attitude of thankfulness doesn't fall off if bad things happen to me because God's will for me in Christ is that I realize I'm loved forever, that God is good, and that I hold on to the fact that God is good and that makes me thankful. 
That's my only equipment to be able to remain thankful when things aren't well. So if, the, if life treats me bad and all hell breaks out and stuff falls apart and I, I, I start to lose people I love and I start to, uh, my faith gets rocked. That happens. That's, that's okay. That, that's, not a, that's not an indication that you're not saved or that you're missing out on, from God. It's just life. And your faith gets rocked. Your whole world gets rocked. And you know evil is at work. I'm not thanking God that I'm going through it. I'm thanking God that we're going through it. Why? Because his love endures forever and he's always good. Which tells me that no matter what I go through, he loves me. And no matter what I go through, God is good. One of the, one of the tragedies that to me rides in on the back of the message of favor. I've preached a lot of favor, a lot of grace. And I love preaching favor and grace. But one of the tragic words that sneaks in and sort of rides that, the back of that is every time something great happens to you, give God the credit. Say, thank you, Jesus. God, you're good. And while that sounds like a really spiritual thing to do, the tragedy of that is that we, by default, are taught that if bad things happen... We're not taught to praise God that He is good. We were only taught to praise God that He is good when good things happen. The truth is, is that God is good whether anything good ever happens to me or not. If I don't ever have one thing from, the day, from right now to the day I die, if not one good thing happens to me, God is good. Because the definition of God is that He is good, not that God does good to me. Now, God does good to all. Amen. But God knows no evil. So what happens if evil's happening to me? It's not God doing this to me, but yet God remains good. So it's really easy for me to say, oh man, things went my way. God is good. Right? And it's not, I'm not, I'm not trying to sound like I'm nitpicking. I mean, I like it when people say God is good. I think you ought to say God is good. <laughs> what happens to you? It's just that no, it's very hard whenever bad things happen to say, my God is good. Like if you lose someone you love, it's difficult to say God is good. Because you, you don't want to sound like you're saying God took them, because I don't believe that. Like God's killing people you love to teach you a lesson or whatever. But it's hard to say God is good when things don't go well. So our attitude of thanksgiving isn't based upon what, what happens to us, what does happen, does not happen to us. Because truth is life happens. And, and I do believe in the protective power of God. Um, I don't know why tragic things happen to good people. I, I don't know why sometimes it seems as if the hand of God protects and other times, no. Um, I, rem I know that the hand of God has protected me in life. I'm positive. Like, I don't, I don't care if when I describe it, people go, that's coincidental. If you want it to be coincidence, let it be coincidence. For me, it was God. I know when I was 17 years old and I went over a hill and I had fallen asleep and I, my truck hit a rock and flipped three times and threw me out the windshield and I landed just feet in front of the truck before it rolled one more time. It didn't roll. And I got up and walked away, and I didn't hardly have a scratch. And I went back to that wreck, and that highway patrol said, well, this is a miracle. He said, you can see 
where you went through the windshield. And where I went through the windshield was not a body going through glass. It was like a hand had grabbed the windshield and pushed it like one of those Japanese fans and pushed it to where it folded up all the way to the passenger side. And, uh, and he said, you, you must've just came right through that spot. Well, even at 17, I knew um, God is good. <laughs> you know, God is good. Now, God would have been good if I had got killed in that wreck. You would never know me. Um, God would be good. He wouldn't be a bad God because I didn't survive. I don't know why. Sometimes you don't. But I wasn't going to walk away from that and not say God is good. <laughs> of course. But I also realized that God does good and that sometimes I don't have another explanation than I think whatever my guardian angel looks like was on assignment that day to go, okay, he's going to do something stupid and fall asleep, but we're not going to let him go yet. So get him out of that vehicle without too much pain. Um, God is good. Um, you know, and in a way, I think, you know, probably some of that this weekend. Um, Natasha and I were in a wreck Saturday. I text Ob, sent pictures to, to, to Ob about it. But we were in Irmo, come up a little drive, crossing the road, and, and I had an opening to go, and I went, and a guy on the other side that I never saw until he hit me head on decided he was going to go, and he turned left, which put him at fault because you've got to yield if you're going left, and my truck is dead. It's demolished. And we weren't hurt at all. And I know we probably weren't going fast enough to get hurt, but you don't walk away from those things and not say, God is good. That's exactly what we did. We backed into that spot. You get out and go, you're okay. I'm okay. Let's go make sure they're okay. If everybody's okay, these are just vehicles. You can replace vehicles. Who cares? God is good. Kept his hand on us. Had I went through the windshield Saturday and gotten killed, God is good. Um, that doesn't stop me from acknowledging that I'm thankful for what God did. My point that I've been working on for a few days with that thought is God is always good. Even if good things don't happen to me, when good things happen to me, I'm going to give God credit for being good. And father teach me that when things happen to me that are not good, that I am to give thanks always anyway, askew the evil, embrace the good and thank God that you are good. And that's an attitude of thanksgiving that then I can carry into my stuff that might carry me through my stuff because I know that it's just stuff. And so there are bad things happening to me, but my God is good. My Father is good and that He loves me. And I didn't even do much with love lasts forever. I mean, in some ways, I feel like everybody in, in this room and everybody watching knows that, but it probably needs reinforced is that His love endures forever. His love doesn't endure to my next sin to my next failure. Um, his love is an everlasting love. What, what, what he does is love me just the way that I am, love me in spite of myself. I used to say, God loves you too much to leave you the way you are. But the Lord started convicting me on that and saying, that's the way you think love should look. You think that real love is to love somebody too much to leave them in their state. He said, but you don't treat the people you love that way. You love them just the way that they are. 
He said, so the great definition of love is not loving somebody so much you can't leave them that way, but it's loving them even if they never change. <laughs> loving them, and maybe you hope they do. Maybe there's something about them that really needs to change. Maybe they have a tendency that's killing them or that's going to put them into bondage. And, and we all do. Maybe there's something in our lives here and there that if we don't get off that road, it's going to cause us grief. And people that love us see it. And maybe they warn you, maybe they don't. But the love that our Father has endures forever. Endures forever means it doesn't slack because you don't change. It's not God saying, I love you, but boy, I could really do with you changing. Because then, and I know I'm putting words in, in people's mouths, but this is the way I think it might sound. I love you too much to leave you the way you are. Boy, if we could get you the way you need to be, how much more would I love you? you know, well, no, that's not what God means. Well, then what does he mean? You know, if I love you too much to leave you the way you are, kind of sounds like I love you too much to leave you here. Wait till we get you where you're supposed to go. And man, I'll love you and you'll love you. And I want you to know he loves you just the way you are. I want you to know that he loves you in spite of all of your problems. And you got them. So own them. Be honest about them. Tell God the truth. It's not as if he's shocked. What? I didn't know that about you. He knows what's up. And he loves you anyway. And he's not got a, um, he's not, he doesn't have conditional love right now saying, I would, boy, if you could just fix this, how much more I could love you. I will say that there are some things in my life that if I could see transformed, if I could lay them down, then perhaps I would realize how loved I am. There might be some roadblocks to Paul White comprehending it. I know that because there's some areas in my life where I still... No, I'm not sure I've really let the love of God penetrate my own thinking. I, I, you know, I'm, it's out there. Like, I got it, but I'm not sure I got it. You know, I got it up here, but I'm not sure it's leaked into here. But that's on me. That, that's not on the Father loving me more if I could fix it. There are some things if I could get them fixed, if I could allow Him to do what He wants to do. Um, I believe I could have a, comp a fuller comprehension of his love. Jesus came to, I, th this is off topic. This, isn't, this doesn't have much to do with give thanks, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I've been working on the DDP and, and the, the podcast the last weeks in Luke. And I was in that, one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible, Luke 4, where Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he hath anointed me. And there's this amazing moment in Luke 4 where Jesus is quoting Isaiah 61. And he says, I have come to proclaim liberty to the captive. And then two lines, three lines later, he says, I have come to set at liberty those who are bruised. And I was teaching that and the Holy Spirit really drew my eyes to those two lines. It was almost like he blocked everything else out and just made those two shine on the page. And they don't even sit next to each other in the story. There's this, 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 this. And yet they were real bright to me. And I noticed a difference. Jesus said, I come to proclaim liberty to the captives, but I come to set at liberty those who are bruised. And the word bruised is better translated downtrodden. Downtrodden are people who have been stepped on, have been put down down underneath the tread. So you've been run over, molested, abused, forgotten, 
pushed aside. This is hurts. This is stuff. This is, this is baggage, to use a modern word. Listen to the difference. Jesus came to proclaim liberty to the captives. A proclamation. Done deal. Proclaim it. All of you that have been captive to sin, captive to performance, captive to works, I proclaim liberty. He doesn't need to set us at liberty from the captive. He's proclaimed it. But he has to set us at liberty in all of our bruisings. This is another way of saying what I've been working on for months, which is he has done the work for your spirit at the cross. He wants to do the work for your soul now. So he's made a proclamation of liberty in regards to your sin and your righteousness and your forgiveness. Proclaimed it. Proclamation can't be, it's done. I've, I've already proclaimed it. You don't like it? Too bad. Proclaimed it. I'm king of kings. Get over it. But I'm here to set at liberty the places where you've been downtrodden. You've been stepped on and you're under there. And it's, that weight is just destroying. It's choking out your life and it's, it's ruining your relationships and it's, it's, it's destroying your destiny and, and your dreams and it's giving you guilt and pain. It might, it might even be physically hurting you. And I'm here to set at liberty. He doesn't proclaim liberty to that because it's not just Jesus going, be free. And we go, oh, all the baggage is gone. No, it's Jesus stepping in and saying, we're going to have to set you at liberty. We got to do some work to set you at liberty. We have to pick the lock on this. Maybe it's, we got to set your broken limb. But he's doing that work. Maybe that has more to do with give thanks than I think it does. Maybe it's be thankful. There's a proclamation of your liberty. Receive it. Be thankful that he isn't done working on you. <laughs> he's a good God. He isn't finished with you. The, the, I, only, I had two other thoughts, and they're, they're brief. I don't even want to turn to them as stories. One is that Jesus is feeding the 5,000, the most famous miracle in the Gospels. It's the one miracle of all of his miracles that all four writers seem infatuated with. They all love to tell the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And John tells, as is John's, as John is wont to do, he tells it differently than the other three guys. And when John tells the feeding of the 5,000, he has Jesus saying, what do we have? Um, you, can you guys feed them? Oh, we don't have enough money. Um, so, okay, what do we got? They go, well, we got this boy's lunch. And Jesus takes the bread. And John very simply has Jesus. And after he had given thanks, he broke it and he passed it out. And I am always amazed that Jesus doesn't even, his prayer at the feeding of the 5,000 in John's gospel is, thank you, Father. Which tells me that thanksgiving is not just about what God has done. And it is not just about what, who God is. It's about knowing who God is so much that you believe with all of your heart He will still be that God, no matter what. This is a drought, a famine. There's no food. And Jesus is concerned. It's a microcosm of the world at large, for sure, the story is. I think it's why it impressed the disciples so much. It's the world Jesus lives in where everybody's starving. And then one day, Jesus feeds them all with 12 baskets left over. It's almost like a preview of what the kingdom will be like when everyone will have enough. And how does he get there? He just says, thank you, because he knows the heart of his father. His heart, the heart of his father is not to let anyone go hungry. 
And so sometimes we need to learn to say thank you for what we know God, for who we know God is, even if it doesn't look like it. I thank you that you have this under control because you're a good father. I thank you, Father, that you showed me what you look like. These are some of the things I'm learning to pray. I thank you, Father, that you have shown me what you look like in the face of Jesus. That when I look at Jesus, I know what you would say. And I know what you would do. And I thank you, Father, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the Jesus I see in the Gospels is the Jesus that I know lives in me. And if that is the express image of the Father, then that means that, God, you are everything I see in Jesus. And I don't believe Jesus would do this. And I don't believe Jesus would do that. So, Father, I thank you for what I know you're going to do because I saw what you did through Jesus. So I've started thanking him for provision. Provision I don't yet have, but I thank him because it's not God's will that I do not, that he doesn't provide for me. He's a father. Father's, the father's will is to provide for their sons, their daughters. And so I know it is his will. And finally, this thought. As late, that's the wrong word, as early as the, the late first century, we've started calling communion the Eucharist. We first see it in print in the late first century. The early church called it the Eucharist because it was from a Greek word for Thanksgiving. And they wanted a word that encapsulated what they were doing. We call it communion now because Paul, in the English translation of the Greek, they say the, the bread that we eat and the body that we... The, body that we eat and the blood that we drink, is it not the communion of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus? So most of us have shortened that down to communion. Fine, great word, but um, maybe it misses the point a little bit. I mean, we commune with each other tonight, whether we take the body and blood or not. But the Eucharist, saying it as Eucharist was a way of saying Thanksgiving. And it was taken every time the saints came together. And the reason that that was important is because they had a mandate. Jesus says to Paul, and Paul writes it down in the Corinthian letter, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Take, eat, this is my body. Take, drink, this is my blood. My body broken for you, my blood of a new covenant shed for you. As often as you do this, he said, remember me. Now I want you to put those two together. As often as you do it, remember me. What do we call it? Early church, Eucharist. As often as you do it, remember me. Thank you. Remembrance is thanks. Thanks is remembrance. So the early church believed that if we are going to partake of it, we partake of it as thanksgiving. Only through thanksgiving are we actually remembering what Jesus has done for us because receiving the body and the blood is thanksgiving. It's not a talisman. It's not witchcraft. I've, I've heard the communion taught in ways that are closer to black magic than they are the cross. Um, this idea that if you take this, this wards off spirits and sickness can't touch you and his blood gets into your veins and his blood becomes your blood. Let's stop it with the foolishness. Let's just go back to saying thank you. This is supposed to be a time when we, when we celebrate the goodness of God. Say, thank you for your body broken for me. Thank you for your blood shed for me. Thank you that I can bring what I am and I can receive what you are. Rid, let's rid ourselves of the talisman mentality when we take the Eucharist. And let's get back to believing that we're thanking God for who he is and for what he has done for us. Would you bow your heads with me? And I want you to give thanks. And I want you to give thanks in whatever way you want to give thanks. But I've given you some things to think about tonight in giving thanks. Things that, 
the scriptures give us sanction for, like the love of God and the goodness of God and the will of God. But maybe you have others, things that he reveals to you to be thankful for. And I pray this not just for this room, but for all of those of you watching who have come to this video to give thanks. You give thanks as well for whatever he has done in your life. Father, it is so good to be with my friends and to know that both in this room and those who will watch and listen, that we are united by our mutual love for you. And I'm so thankful that I get to have such an extended family in doing that. It's a, tr it's a true honor. I thank you for your love, which endures forever. Thank you for your goodness, which shines through even if things aren't good. I know you're good. Thank you that you have shown us your will through Christ Jesus and that we have the discernment of the Spirit to not to take in what, that which is evil in the same way we take in that which is good and to take in that which is good with a heart of thankfulness. And Father, as we are thankful as a people in this country this week through civic thanksgiving, Father, may it just simply be a reflection of the thankfulness that we already have in our hearts for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.